Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Lord, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We pause right now, Father, thanking you. It's not just another Sunday, but this is, this is a unique opportunity to connect with your spirit and hear from you. God, we open our ears and we open our, our, our hearts and our spirits to you right now. And we thank you, Lord, that we would leave energized and convicted and provoked and encouraged. Lord, I thank you that, that today is a day that would be a game-changing day in our communication with you as we talk about the tabernacle. And we talk about prayer and ways to connect with you and draw close to you. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you not whisper but shout amen. amen. Awesome. Today, I'm going to start a series on prayer. Um, a lot of pastors started the new year with a, a 21 day fast. Uh, that's common for a lot of churches. I did not do that because if, uh, if you're like anything like me, uh, and you've got the holiday weight and all this stuff going, it takes a few weeks to get out of that coma and get into the normal regular routine. So I'm actually going to start our 20 day, 21 day fast. After I do a little bit of teaching and equipping, I know, uh, again, there's a lot of churches that are doing this right now and I think it's powerful and I think it's awesome. And we're going to join collectively together uh, as a church, and we're going to do this as a body. Uh, and I believe that, that we're going to see some breakthrough in these moments. But today, I'm going to start this series on prayer. And here at Hope Covenant Church, my, my hope and prayer has been that the very foundation of Hope Covenant Church would be that we would be built on the foundation of prayer. Not a church with prayer, but a church of prayer. You understand the difference, that that would be the very core structure of how this church is built, is built on prayer and communication and proximity that's close to God. My hope is that your walk with God would be built foundationally on prayer and spending time with him. And we, we constantly talk about that here at Hope Covenant Church, that it's about proximity and God's whispers are heard in close proximity. You can't hear a whisper if you're far away. And that's even scriptural. Prayer is an, is an outcome changer. Oftentimes we run to prayer when we don't know what else to do. But I want to encourage you, let's not just look at this as a Santa Claus God that we come and make a request made known. Now that is scriptural, and that's good that you do that. But how many of you know that we should have an overflow of prayer going on all the time, no matter what the situation looks like? When times are good, God's good. When times are bad, God's still good. And I believe that we need to be fostering a relationship with God and constant communication with God all the time, no matter what the situation looks like. We need to stop just praying as a last resort is what I'm saying there. But I want to show you some patterns of prayer today out of the Bible. I'm going to use this tabernacle experience. I believe it'll literally revolutionize your prayer life, revolutionize your prayer life, both practically and spiritually, if you'll apply yourself to this. Let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 18. Pray in the spirit. Everybody say in every, say every, every situation. Use every kind of prayer and request there is. 
Prayer is not just some quiet time in the morning. But prayer should be a conversation. Prayer should be communication that goes back and forth between you and God. In other words, let's not just bombard God with requests, but actually have a time where we silence ourselves and quiet our spirits and hear from the Lord. Now, some of you go, I don't know. I don't, I don't hear the Lord. How do you hear the Lord? Well, one of the key ways that you can hear the Lord if you're not hearing an audible voice of God, and that can happen too, but if you're not hearing that, you can hear him through his word. Now, I encourage people to actually pray scripture. I read, up, I say a Proverbs a day keeps the doctor away and it keeps you, it's the book of wisdom that keeps you smart. It gets rid of stupid, at least in my life. I know that I'm going to just talking from experience. And I want to encourage you to actually read scripture out loud and begin to pray it over your life. Psalms, begin to pray it over your life. I want to talk to you today about tabernacle prayer. The context of tabernacle prayer comes from when Moses and the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. You guys probably all remember this story or you've seen movies about this. And uh, God sends Moses as a deliverer to lead approximately, and this number blows my mind, 4 million Israelites out of Egypt. That's a pretty big call to lead 4 million people out of bondage and into freedom. And they saw miracles like the Red Sea parted supernaturally had food that was provided along the way. Could you imagine the faith in that moment, trusting God? And they even got themselves in trouble when they tried to store too much, if you remember that. It was about daily reliance on God. Guys, I want to tell you that this year, I believe God is stretching every one of us that he's not an afterthought, but that we rely on him and that we literally recognize we need you, God. We, we can't, we, we don't do this well without you. We end up in the flesh real quick when we do this without you. Yes. And so that's the context here is, and they saw all these miracles as, as, as Moses was leading them. And on their journey, they ended up at Mount Sinai where they were given 10 commandments. And then right after that, they were headed from the promised land. They were headed to the promised land, which should have only taken a few days. But if you remember, it ended up taking 40 years and God was dealing with them along the way. There was a complaining spirit. I want to stop right here and I want to encourage you. The Bible says a double-minded man, and by the way, that's women too, just in case you were wondering, it's gender neutral. Double-minded man or woman receives nothing from the Lord. So if you want to have power in your prayer life, we need to watch what we're complaining about. By the way, I'm checking myself on that today in several areas of my life. Liz and I have had a very challenging week this week. I'll be honest with you. Out of this mouth came some things that I wasn't too pleased with. I wasn't cussing or anything. Y'all can chill out. I wanted to a couple times. (laughs) My flesh did. But I I had the Holy Spirit dealing with me, and I heard him in the whispers of his voice saying, you got to choose. Do you want authority or do you want to complain? But you can't have it your way. This isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way. And my flesh got a little irritated with that because how many of you know Burger King has great fries? And sometimes when I made a decision to eat healthy, I just want to veg out and eat those things. Well, that's my flesh. My flesh is like, you want to fry? Literally, I'm trying to give you context for how I felt in the flesh. And don't tell me you haven't been there. I know it's not just me. 
But they ended up circling the wilderness as a result of a complaining spirit. And God wasn't being cruel. He was literally trying to teach them some things. There was a character building in the wilderness. And I feel like there's some of you that are here this morning. I'm camping out on this. It's not in my notes. That feel like you're in a wilderness season and you're like, Lord, what do I do? I believe that tabernacle prayer will bring you out of a wilderness season. I'm going to say it again, that this thing that I'm trying to teach you on, tabernacle prayer, will bring you out of a wilderness season. It's guaranteed, and I'm going to give you scripture to make it legal. During this season of being transient, they used a temporary portable church called the tabernacle. This is that we're talking about the Israelites here. This is a portable church that they set up and, and broke down. If you remember, it was a cloud by day and fire by night. And they were, they were following this, this, this fire, uh, this cloud by day and, and fire by night. In Exodus 25, verses 8 to 9, have the people of Israel built me a sanctuary. And notice the why. So I can live among them. Now, I want to stop here because this is key. The reason why I want to encourage you to really stir up your prayer life is because the Lord wants to live among you. He loves you, and he, again, we, God doesn't have needs. He has desires, but he desires you, yes. and it's a strong desire. He created you for such a time as this. You are not here by accident. You're here on purpose in this day, in this moment, in this hour, on purpose for a purpose. And many of us are living like victims looking at our situation when God is trying to work in us so because you have a purpose and he desperately wants you to fulfill this purpose. That's his desire for you. So God loves you. He's affectionate. He's madly, he's madly in love with you. He craves time with you. He's jealous for you. Verse 9, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So I'm going to walk you through some things, this pattern of tabernacle that I believe if you would apply this to your prayer life, which will turn into worship life, which will turn into a lifestyle, which will turn into a, a lifestyle of breakthrough. Yes, I believe that. And then when you break through, God will press on you to break out. And I'll get into what I mean by that in a minute. So there is a process here with with God that that it's changed. If you remember back in the in the Old Testament, there was so much preparation that went into the priest meeting face to face with God in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Yet a veil that blocked access to God. And I know old the Old Testament veil is it's been torn, and I'm so grateful for that. We're living in in New Testament, and in the process of meeting with God has changed now that we are in the New Testament. But what if we still honored the principle of preparation and protocol that was in place during the time of the tabernacle? What if we still honored that, that, that reverence that was there? Once you got to God in the, in the place of meeting in the tabernacle, watch what happened. And this is what I want for each of you so bad today in Exodus 33 verse 11 out of the new living. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Started weeping when I wrote this verse down because I love the fact that God is God, that he's Lord, that he's the chief authority in my life, yet he calls himself my friend. And he's closer 
than any other friend. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never disappoint you. And I want to I want to want to play on that a little bit to understand that doesn't mean he won't let you down in your will, but he will never disappoint you. Okay, meaning he will never let you down in his agenda for your life. He will let me down in my agenda, but I've always found that when I submit to his ways, what I think is not so great is actually so much greater. And I don't understand it in the moment. How many of you are struggling with a moment right now? Yeah, I'm struggling with a moment right now. Going, God, I don't understand this moment. I feel like you're letting me down. And in my will, he is, but in his will, he's not. And it's all a process like the Israelites when they were complaining and circling. Many of you are circling right now and you go, why am I circling? Stop complaining. Watch the confession of your mouth. Watch what you say over your kids. Watch what you say over your finances. Watch what you say over your future because it matters. If I can get you to this place, this place of meeting with God and hearing from God, I'd never have to convince you to pray. Because when you start hearing his voice and start hearing his direction and you know that you know that you know that it's God and it's been confirmed, his promises, I never have to talk to you about this. But here's what tabernacle prayer looks like. Let's dig right into it. I'm going to give you seven points. And there's going to be a picture up on the screen with this first point. When you would walk into the tabernacle, you would first enter and you would enter into the outer court. Now, you'll notice this picture that's here on the screen and this was where you would enter right here, this red section. They, th that's where you would enter into and you would be in the outer courts. And so here's what I, I'm going to apply this to our prayer life. I'm going to kind of try to explain this the, the best I know how, and hopefully it'll translate with the whole, help of the Holy Spirit. The outer court, give God thanks. I want to encourage you that when you enter into a place of prayer, number one, the outer court, so you're trying to get into the place of intimacy with God. You walk into the outer court like you're walking into the tabernacle. I want to encourage you, give God thanks. Immediately off the bat, no matter what you feel like, when you wake up in the morning, God, I thank you that I woke up. That's a good start. I have a heart beating in my chest. You go by my situations, put it aside and give God thanks. I don't feel like it. Put it aside. We're not led by our feelings. Give God thanks. Command your spirit. Okay, command your flesh and be in the spirit. One of the things that we often do in prayer is we give God immediately right off the bat a list of all the things we need. Don't do that. Just give him thanks. Start worshiping. Start praying. The posture of gratitude will attract God's presence. You go, I haven't felt the Lord. Have you been thanking him? When you get into the outer courts, you go, I don't feel God. I've been praying. I don't feel him. Start thanking him because when you start loving on the Lord, he will visit you. He loves a thankful heart. It's the key to his heart. Thank thankfulness. He's attracted to a posture of gratitude. And you're literally worshiping when you give God thanks. You've immediately unlocked worship. That's why I encourage you over your household when there's a bad mood. <laughs> um, we've been pressing through this one, Liz, haven't we? When there's a bad mood, we immediately just start worshiping and giving God thanks. Because we don't know what else to do. Psalms 100 verse 4. 
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So that's the verse that makes it legal right out of Psalms. And I want to encourage you, no matter what the situation looks like, you might need to sing that. You might need to speak it out loud. You might need to pray it till you feel it. I'm going to enter your gates with thanksgiving, Father. I enter your courts of praise, and I, I thank you. I don't know. It doesn't look good right now, but I thank you. And then the next step is you, you're in the outer courts. You come up to the brazen altar, point two. And that's what you're looking at right here. The brazen altar. In the brazen altar, I want to encourage you in this second step. So back in the day, there would be a sacrifice of animals for sin. They, there, there would be a, 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 to get clean from sin. And, and, th and thankfully, that now that we're in this new covenant, we have the cross. How many of you are grateful for the blood and the cross? So, so what I want to encourage you to do, you give God thanks is number one. Number two, focus on the cross. Maybe you need to have some communion, some grape juice and, and some bread or whatever you, you need to do. And, and commune with God. Do this in remembrance of him. Focus on the cross. When you enter into prayer, if you thank God and then ask him to purify your heart, ask him to wash you clean as you focus on the cross. Lord, I thank you that the cross is my access to forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me. I thank you, Lord, that you've washed me. And the Lord will start to show you some things. You're focusing on the cross. He'll start to show you some things. You've given him thanks. You're getting out of the flesh and into the spirit. And when you get into the spirit and the Lord starts to speak to you, you're going to be convicted of some things. Maybe some speech out of your mouth. Maybe some thoughts that you've had. Maybe some things that you've been looking at that you shouldn't be looking at. Whatever it may be, no matter how extreme or, or how light it may be, sin is sin. And God will begin to show you some things. I can't tell you how many times when I followed tabernacle prayer, the thing that I came in to request from God was literally already handled. And the Lord spoke it to me and said, you don't even need this. I already, already took care of it. Started focusing on the cross and started getting clean and, and started seeing clearly because as you get clean, God will give you clear vision. Amen. You guys agree with that? If you thank God and switch your posture to gratitude, and then ask God to wash you, you will get clarity of vision. It happens right at the second point in the brazen altar, sitting right there. We're still in the outer courts. Happens right in the outer courts. That you start to get clear vision. You haven't even gotten into the holy place yet, and you're starting to have clear vision. You will go, oh, never mind. I thought it was a big deal, but Father, I thank you. You already, you already took care of this. I thank you, Lord. You, you already handled this. My mood has already changed. You know, I'm just going, I'm going to thank you even more. All of a sudden, you've provoked more worship. Psalms 103, verses 2 to 5 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. How many of you know God's still in the healing business? Yeah. He still heals. Who redeems. He'll make up for lost time. I love that. He redeems. You go, I thought I blew it. I thought I messed up this. No, no hold on. God, he'll make up for lost time. He redeems. He redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. I love that we have a compassionate God who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. God's presence, now that you're in a place of worship, you're not even in the holy place. You're still in the outer courts. But he starts to transform your life as you begin to worship.
God transforms your, you're only at point two. We got seven. Then the last step in the outer court is there was a, a bowl of water made of mirrors and you would see yourself. It was called the laver. And that is right here. This bowl of water right there is made of mirrors. You'd see yourself. And so I want to encourage you on the third point to offer every part of your life to God. This is where you surrender. See what you need to surrender to God. What's in my life that's not pure? What's holding me back, Lord? Because you entered in, you gave God thanks. Second point, after you gave him thanks, you started, you started worshiping on point two. The brazen altar, you focused on the cross. You started to get free of sin. And now you're offering every part of your life to God. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So worship isn't a song that I sing. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is how you leave, live a life that's pleasing to God. So if you're a true worshiper, you're constantly examining, am I living a life that's pleasing to God? And I, I want to thank the Lord. In fact, I, I want to just give the band a hand right now because we have musicians. We have musicians that understand this concept. Listen, that's hard to find in any city. It's hard to find a musician that looks and says, Lord, is my life, they, that understand that I'm not, we're, we're not just a, a bunch of, of, of musicians, but we're literally, we're literally carriers of the presence of God and we're to be walking holy. This doesn't mean we're all perfect, but I'm so grateful, band. I love all you guys that you guys take this seriously, the lifestyle that you're living. So God, every part of, of my life, I want you to have every part. 12, uh, we read Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. A true worshiper isn't someone with a great voice or someone that plays an instrument well. Someone who understands my life is all yours. I'm here to give you everything. A true worshiper is someone who desires holiness and craves the presence of God. You go, I don't sing well. Do you crave the presence of God? Are you a worshiper? It doesn't matter what you sound like. There's Sundays I have to remind myself of that because I'm so focused on vocals. And I go, okay, but you know what? Perfectionism is a disease excellence is godly. I'm just going to give God my best. And listen, I want to encourage you guys with this. There's times you're going to go about your day and you're going to mess up and you're going to go, oh, well, I blew it. I guess we'll just start over again tomorrow. No, start over right then. Okay. You're not perfect. We're striving. We're striving to be more like him, but there's a process and God's working a process and you thank God you had a conviction about it. Because of my imperfection, this is a great daily prayer in Psalms 139, verses 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense, any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And now, when you enter the tent, the holy place, you'd see a seven-pronged candlestick like a Jewish menorah. And so you're, you're entering in now. You see that right here, seven-pronged candlestick. And the, 
The candlestick, I believe it represents the sevenfold spirit of God. So that I want to read these to you. We're going to list these. The first one, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And here's what I want you to do on the first point in your prayer life. If you would invite the work of Holy Spirit into your life, I believe God will begin to fill you with these. That you'll end up with wisdom for the day. That you'll end up with understanding. That you'll end up, you'll end up with the, the, the counsel of God giving you guidance on what to do. That the, 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 the power of God would operate through your life. And that you would have knowledge of things supernaturally. And, and that you would end up reverencing God as a result of your supernatural walking these things out during your day. You go, wow, I'm awed by the power of God and how he can change me because I know me. And I know how difficult I can be. The sevenfold spirit of God, this is a big one when you get to the candlestick. And this needs to be our prayer, Isaiah 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. This is just the verse that lists them, the spirit of counsel and, and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And then I also shift right to Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And if you're taking notes, this is a good one to, to read and, and even pray this as you start your day. But the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So you'll, 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 now we get the gifts of God. You're, getting, you're, you're in that holy place. You're, you're now in communication with him. Now you're, his presence is right here. Paul says to fan the flame. And by the way, this is why we're launching classes and we're going to talk to you about them next month because we want to fan the gifts of God in your life. And it says in 2 Timothy 1 verses 6 to 7, this is why, this is Paul saying this, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. This year, I want to I wanna really begin, and I, I want to encourage you, church, don't, don't just come on Sunday morning. These classes are, they're going to be amazing. Our pastoral staff, we're all going to teach these together, even some of our elders. And we're, I was, Liz and I, we were just talking to some of our, of our elders uh, this week um, about what we want to do with reaching the neighborhoods that are around us. You know, I, 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 would, I would hate to say we're going to, hey, we're going to change the world. Why don't we just start with the neighborhood next to us and be faithful in that, and then we'll reach out to the other other most parts of the world. Uh, that's how we're going to do things in order here. And so I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging all these things and our classes are going to really equip, I believe for us we, at this church, we're about these things. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose. And we're going to do all of this at the classes so you can ultimately go out and make a difference. And that's the four, that's our vision statement right there as a church. So once you got past the candlestick into the tent, You'd get to the table of showbread. It's, it looks like shoe bread. It's, it's showbread is how it's pronounced. 
And they would have 12 fresh baked loaves of bread and it would smell amazing. And this represented time to feed on God's word. I, I, I want to I go there with you in, in, in our prayer life. This is what I'm using this as, is, is the, the bread of life, the, the word of God. Feed on God's word and use it as a weapon against the enemy. In Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God. So I want to encourage you on this fifth point, table of showbread, feed on God's word. You go, but I thought this was about prayer. Yeah, feed on God's word as you're praying. Open your Bible as you're praying. See the things that are written. Let them become revelation. Let them fill you with power and literally begin to speak those things. So we need to be having a conversation with God. And this means two way. Again, we're listening and we're hearing. You can hear God's voice every day through his word in Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 18. I'm only going to read 10, 11, 17, and 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Yeah, we, we did a series on this. Putting on the full armor of God. So you could take a stand against the enemy's schemes. Take the sword, and this I'm just going to focus on this part of the armor. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The table of showbread. It's, it's the bread, the word of God. And in the spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And next in the tent, you have the altar of incense. Incense represented something that you would give to God. That our life would be a sweet-smelling aroma. When we started singing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. What was happening? That was incense. So we got past the outer courts by that point when we were worshiping and we entered into the tent and we started giving God glory. You know, I, I wish this for worship leaders all across the nation that we would stop singing songs about God and start singing songs to God once we get into the tent. Because he loves, he's a person, and he loves when we magnify and glorify his name. And many times, the very things, again, that you're asking God for, if you would just give God glory in the middle of the situation, it just, I worship you. I don't know what else to do, but God, I just worship you. Just start singing songs in your heart. Start singing melodies to the Lord. Become a songwriter. You go, I never thought I could do that. Well, you can Get a worship life and just start giving God. It's amazing what happens. So this is worship, a sweet-smelling incense to God. Number six, the altar of incense, worship his name. Why do we worship God? Because in Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I love the safety of God. I love the fact that I have a friend that we just discussed about that keeps me safe. You can turn your prayer life into worship when you give God glory. Guys, I believe 2023 is your year of encountering God. If you would follow these steps. And last, you have the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where you'd part the curtain and you'd literally see God. This is a face-to-face encounter. The Ark of the Covenant. And I want to encourage you with this seventh step of your prayer life. That now your eyes are off of you. They're on to God, and this is where literally intercession starts to stir up in your life where you begin to intercede for others. Your eyes are off of you now, 
And I've said this, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. When you have a situation that is difficult and you don't know what to do, minister and reach out to others because it's amazing what happens when you reach the needs of others, your needs are met. Why is that? The principle of sowing and reaping. First Timothy chapter two. Verses 1 to 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all. Everybody say all people. For kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, I want to encourage you, whether you like our president or not, you should be praying for him. On that seventh point. You go, well, I don't like him. I don't like his policy. Okay, it doesn't change the fact that ultimately God does appoint leaders, and I don't understand fully all of that. I don't understand why things look the way they look in this nation, but what I do know is that nothing gets past God. And I know that God sees it, and I know that God's got a plan, and I know that I either trust his ways or not. You go, but what about the economy? Just get in God's economy. Stop worrying about it. And pray for your president. You go, is it okay that I pray that he dies? No, pray for your president. I've had a lot of people ask me that, literally. I had somebody just go, oh man, I I, I might have prayed that. We need to trust that the Lord is up to something. What if God is working something behind the scenes? Because he is. He's got the whole world in his hands. He knows the beginning from the end. And we're coming into a time, we're praying in as a church, by the way, when you come to prayer, we're praying in the return of the Lord. I'm excited about it. Let's go. Like, I'm ready. From glory to glory. How many of you just want to see some of your loved ones on the other side? Like, let's let's do this. I'm ready. Okay? We're going to use every moment that we have here on earth to bring as many people as we can with us. And that happens on this seventh point, the Ark of the Covenant, where we intercede for souls. That needs to be a part of your daily prayer life. Where your eyes are off of you and onto, if your heart doesn't break for the lost, man, you do not have the heart of God, period, end of story. You go, that's strong. It's a strong word. It is strong. I don't know how to be any other way. I've tried. It doesn't work. But pray for those in authority. And in God's presence, you end up at peace and now contending for others when your eyes are off of your circumstances when you're in God's presence. I want to be effective. And that really can only happen to his fullness when I'm in God's presence. In James 4, verse 8, and this is my closing scripture, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So here's what I want to do as we wrap up this morning. These seven points, I'm going to go over them real quick for our prayer life. first one we come into the outer courts every day we give God thanks we get to the brazen altar focus on the cross ask God to cleanse you to clean you get to the labor you offer every part of your life you surrender to God no matter what it looks like you get to the candlestick and you invite the work of the Holy Spirit in your life Lord just you you do what you want to do you speak to me you say what you want to say I'm going to surrender to you 
You get to the table of showbread, you start feeding on God's word. You start letting the revelation of the word equip you that you can stand no matter what it looks like. You end up where you had a spirit of depression and now you're armed when you read scripture. You're filled with the joy of the Lord and you start declaring the joy of the Lord. And you might not feel it immediately, but you start to declare it until you do. Then six, the altar of incense, you just worship his name. And then seven, you start interceding from others. If you follow this, I promise you, there is nothing that God can't do in your life. Nothing. You go, is this really the ingredients? I believe it is. The tabernacle is so powerful. And I want to encourage you to create a tabernacle where you enter into God's presence every day and you watch what God supernaturally does in and through you. He's going to do a work in you. And he's going to move through you. Father, I thank you for every person in here that has a struggle that's not heard your voice. And I thank you, Lord. You say that you reward those that seek you with diligence. So we, we right now pledge this morning that we're going to diligently seek you and see your promises fulfilled and unlocked in our life. But we thank you for your altar. And Lord, we just worship you no matter what it looks like. And I thank you, God, that you're unlocking our potential in Jesus' name. You're working all things together for the good of those that love you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Breathe on us, breath of God. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you shout amen. amen. Next week's going to be part two of this series. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Okay, we're not starting our fast yet, but I want to encourage you with this. If you took notes, just follow those notes. Follow that pattern and watch how different your week is this week because I believe it will be different. Father, I just thank you for your strength this week in Jesus' name. If you believe that, we just shout amen. Guys, have the best week ever. If anybody needs prayer, our pastoral staff will be here. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. It's going to be good. And uh, yeah, have a great week. Love you guys. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.